podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Euro Incision podcast. Ooh, it's tasty part of the season, semi-final football. You know, it's all kicking off, it's all fun, it's all games. And we have two great games to talk about. And joining me on this podcast is my good friend, is my co-host. It's a man that needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. Themis, welcome back. <laughs> it's nice to be back. You seem a little bit more excited than you used to be in uh, the beginning of the pod. Is there something going on? Is there something we want to share with the world? <laughs> well, you know what? I think um, all our dear listeners need to know that I actually really, really look forward to speaking to Themis on this podcast. Yeah. I think they know this oh, anyway. Yeah. That's so that's vibes. Yeah. That is the reason. But also, I also got another nugget of information. Now, I know it's Ramadan and I am sleeping like a crazy person. I'm, I'm completely out of touch with the world and what's going on. But news even reached me in my little woman cave. Themis, Jurgen Klopp contract extension. Let's talk about this. I mean, it was exactly what we kind of needed what we wanted I think there was rumors about it people were alluding to it but I mean first of all I want to get your reaction as a fan and what it means because I know you absolutely love the guy and also what it means for Liverpool Football Club going forward as well because I feel like a lot of people were saying once Jurgen Klopp goes then wheels are going to fall off well it's amazing uh, to see that it's kind of a turnaround the absolute Mm. comeback it's not that we were told that Jürgen is leaving in two years' time. But time and again, we, heard him, we have listened to him you know, saying that you know, it's not about the project. It's not, it's not that I want to go to manage another club or stuff, stuff like that. But it's about my life plan and what I want to do in life and what uh, being a football manager at the top club takes out of you. And uh, I remember him mentioning you know, the way he looked in the pictures, right? Mm. When he signed. And how much older he looks right now. And yeah, we tend to think that, you know, they are successful and they are rich and they are, uh, you know, famous. So what, they, what a magnificent life they must be living and uh, why, why on earth should they want, you know, to take a break from that. But it takes a lot out of you. So it wasn't that we were told that it's not going to happen. That's... 2024 is the final date, but we were giving the impression that, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the end of the road. And maybe we should prepare um, for the next chapter. chapter. Mm. And it's, it's wonderful news. It's amazing news. And it will be even more amazing in two years from now to get <laughs> similar, a similar story breaking that it's mm. a couple of, more of, of, of two years, uh, a couple of years as well on top, but let's not go there yet. I mean, 
it's amazing. It's mm. what it should be. And I'm, I'm thinking that I'm speaking on behalf of every football fan. Maybe not even football fans, but you know, not 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 only LFC fans, but football fans as well. That what mm -hmm. they think that you know this is a match made in heaven. So yeah, yeah, they should last. They should. Uh, I mean, okay, rivals may not think that way, but every football fan in the world knows what the story has been so far with those two, with Liverpool and Klopp. So mm -hmm. everybody would like to see that go on a little bit more, as I think. So it's amazing. <laughs> Actually, I cannot help but smiling as I speak to you. We can, hear, we can hear the smile on the podcast. I can actually hear yeah. the smile. I just think it means so much. I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it's more the fact that the players feel probably a lot more settled knowing that this guy is staying. I mean, a majority of our players already signed their contracts anyway. So, you know, that isn't a problem in itself. I think it makes us even more attractive to potential players that Jurgen Klopp is staying, you of know. Um, I also feel like, I mean, it's quite poetic and quite fitting that we're actually going to say this on this podcast, but he is potentially um, having a few more years to make us the dominant force in Europe again. You know, that kind of manager, he has the know-how, he has the experience, and it's very, very important to have that kind of manager. I also, this is going to sound really, really catty, but I am that way, but I think Jurgen Klopp should maybe wait for Pep Guardiola to walk out, you know, because I think once Pep Guardiola leaves Man City, I think, you know, they will have a bit of a, you know, a bit of a fall away to the side. Not a huge one, but obviously, yeah. you, you know what happens when Pep Guardiola leaves a team, because obviously he is a very, very special type of manager. And mm -hmm. I think that maybe Jurgen Klopp just enjoys those seasons when he disappears. Yeah, after, and, you know, and maybe, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jurgen Klopp ex extending is one of the things that Mo wanted. Maybe. Yes. Mm, that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's about the length because uh, Salah said it's not all about the money. Mm. Just guessing then what it is. It's the length of the contract. You're turning 30 in June and you want a five year, let's say, deal and mm. Liverpool are offering four, something like that. Yeah. yeah. We're guessing and can only guess because we can never know for sure. But maybe, maybe Jurgen extending his own contract. Maybe it's one of the things that more wanted. Knowing who the manager is, knowing the person he's going to work with for the last contract of his career, the biggest contract of his career. I have to correct myself here. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's one of those things. You know what? I like your thinking. This is why I love working with you, Themis. <laughs> Football insight. You get me thinking other ways. You're so philosophical philosophical you're so pragmatic yeah. i am just really really happy today can you tell people Jurgen club is staying on for as long as possible and that's as people who know and have listened to me for a fair bit know just how much i loved this guy and love this guy and the fact that he's ours i just i'm smiling from ear to ear so themis um we are very very happy with that one, so, one last thought go on, on that go one on. last thought on that because you said what it means for the players I added maybe means something with Mo Salah contract extensions. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm. I have to add one more thing. It, it shows one more thing for me. Because Michael Edwards is leaving at the end of the season, right? Yes. So, Jurgen extending past his 
original contract. It means that he has absolute faith in what we're doing and what we're plan planning to do football without Michael Edwards. I mean, for a guy like Jurgen Klopp, I mean, he's a guy that he would honor his contract for sure because he yeah. loves Liverpool and everybody can tell and he's a professional as well. So mm -hmm. you have the sympathy, the love and the affection and you have the professionalism. So he, would, he wouldn't be the guy that would say, you know what, Michael Edwards is leaving. So everything I did, I did it alongside him. So I'm leaving too. No, but for him to extend means he has absolute faith mm. in what we're doing, planning without Michael Edwards, with James Ward uh, replacing him. So for me, that's, that's a great sign because we all love Jürgen staying as long as he can. But yeah. let's see what the future brings, right? But right now, it's a sign of absolute, from his part, mm. on the project that he is one of the leaders because he's not the only leader in that group. And he has famously said that the key to his success and to the club's success is that, is that him being the dumbest person in the room. Oh. And being, yeah, and being surrounded by geniuses in the yeah, area. Yeah. And the fact that he is the most amazing guy is that he's supposed to be a football genius. Point. He is not stubborn or egoistic or anything like or arrogant. Nope. And he, and he listens to every single specialist, if you like. You like that word? Maybe we should call them like, like that. Yeah. Okay. Then you have a room, a room of specialists and you have the leader and the most famous person of all listening to those guys and letting them to convince him what collectively they should all do. And that, that, that for me is, is the number one virtue for me. I've never met him. I, <laughs> I wish I could someday. But mm. until that day, if, if somebody asks me what, the, what is his most um, amazing characteristics, the, the most special skill, I'm going to name that skill. Being famous, being a genius, and at the same time, being open to everything that everybody has to suggest and to bring to the table. So for him to say, let's carry on for two more years, it means that he, has, he is more than confident the work that it's being done around him. And that for me is, it speaks volume of, of, the, of what we should see and what we should expect from the seasons to come. Absolutely. I didn't even think about, obviously, the, the recruitment and all, you know, and obviously the scouting. But, yep, um, he has full faith and I didn't think of that. Before we end, um, uh, I'm just going to close up the Jurgen Klopp chit-chat. For me, I think the highlight for me is that, uh, obviously, listeners know my mum is a Man United fan. And obviously, things are, not, <laughs> things are not going great for them. And I think she, take, she took a lot of comfort in saying this to me constantly, that once Jurgen Klopp goes, yeah. you're going to feel this pain. Oh, she you. did, yeah. Yeah, 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 she went there. And she used to say to my sister, who's also a Liverpool sport, Akia, shout out, Akia, I know you're listening. And uh, she, you know, she constantly said it to us. And it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe her coping mechanisms. Yeah, so... Uh, I spoke to my sister Kira on the phone today. We just had a chit chat before we jumped on the pod, actually. And she goes, as soon as I got the news, the first thing I did about young Clutch, the first thing I did was I uh, rang mum and baited. I was like, you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great stuff. Yeah, great, yeah. So, great, you know, fam 
Yeah, great family banter, yeah. Yeah, it just made me laugh because I think she always said it to make herself feel better that you're going to feel this pain, like the way Fergie left for us. And I was just like, I was looking, I was like, dude, I got, I've been, I've been raised in pain. You know, I did not support Liverpool when they were great. Oh, that's all I'll say on the matter. But uh, moving on, moving on, this is a football pod. But guys, let us know your thoughts about the Jurgen Klopp news on the scale of 1 to 100 and 100 being that you're ready to just shoot through the roof. How excited yeah. are you about the Jurgen Klopp news? We'd love to hear your thoughts and your reactions. And maybe share your favourite Jurgen Klopp moment as well. And, uh, you know, so far. Right, Themis, back to the business. And this is probably why, you know, we, we attract great players and great managers like Jurgen Klopp. Champions League football, semi-final, Liverpool versus Villarreal, 2-0 at Anfield. Um, talk to me about this one. Let's start from the beginning. Team lineup. Um, but what did you make of the team that started? I think, are you the same, Themis? I really, really strategically watch Jurgen Klopp's substitutions in the Premier League. And I then kind of try fielding out who he might potentially play. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll let you talk about this then. Team lineups. Well, it's the same story about Matip. Mm. You know the fact that we have to protect him. Yeah. And they don't let him play too many games uh, in a row, right? Mm. And there is the absolute faith that Jurgen has in Konate. Yes. Get big game after big game after big game, right? No one, no one remembers right now, but he played in Old Trafford. <laughs> no one remembers because it didn't matter. I could have played there. <laughs> and the scoreline would be exactly the same. But, yeah, yeah, I believe that. I, yeah. <laughs> I could play alongside uh, Virgil that day. Yeah, for sure. I'm left-footed, actually. So, yeah, no problem. No problem. And, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, we, you got Konate and you... I, I was... You know, I fear that that Jurgen would decide that you know he might need to rest, and I fear that because he's keeping a vein of an amazing form of games. Mm. I mean, uh, he's playing right now as the best midfielder in the world, and uh, I fear that you know what, maybe the, they might decide you know he is the one that should get a rest because I, I knew that either he or uh, Keita would be on the bench for um, Jordan to to start. And I fear that it would be Thiago. I was so pleased to to see that it was Nabi uh, instead of uh, Thiago. And then, yeah, with Bobby out or uh, Diaz, and uh, we're, see, we're seeing that Jürgen is so, so much <laughs> pleased with uh, the start of uh, Diaz in the mm. red shirt that he said, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you're starting again. Again, because you're absolutely amazing. <laughs> mm. No, absolutely. And I love that. I love the fact that you know, he can tinker and it's... It's, he's not a victim of his circumstances. He can actually pick and choose when and who plays whenever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. these things are absolutely huge. I think for me as well, um, 
we're speaking about Liverpool there and uh, I think you know from a Villarreal perspective I'd like to get your thoughts but I think them not having Gerard Moreno was maybe a big loss for them I, yeah. I don't think you know many Liverpool fans will probably I, I do when I looked at that team lineup and I didn't see his name I mean I kind of did breathe a sigh of relief I'm not going to lie I'm not going to say oh he's anything superior to our players but I know that he has been one of the pivotal players in terms of you know what he did against Bayern Munich and stuff so it was good in that regard but again I don't think he had an awful lot to kind of challenge us overall um, but yeah I was happy with the team lineup. Um uh, Liverpool attacked the cop first I think that was probably the most notable thing that you know obviously yeah. you know like it felt <laughs> really un- it felt strange right yeah I had to you know uh, I have to be honest with you uh, what I did when I the game the game kicked off and I saw us attacking the cop and in the first half, I had to force myself to remember European nights that the, the same thing happened and uh, it didn't go wrong and we got the result that we wanted. So I remember Chelsea 2005 and, and I said, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it's going to be fine. I think it was Roma as well. Was it? I it was, yeah, I think it was the, the other semi-final. Yeah, it was Roma as well. Think, You've I think got so. a good memory. You've got. I was at that game. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we, yeah, you, you should remember that because we saw Allison concede five, and then it took him a year to concede five. Yeah, in, yeah. In the at, at Anfield, and I had to remember. I have to, you know, to look back and say, yeah, they won. They, they won the toss, right? So mm-hmm. they said, let's do this and let's make Liverpool. Uh, do things do things a little bit different that they used to, but yeah, no difference at the end. No difference at the end, absolutely right. So, um, is let's kind of talk about this game because, um, you know, I felt like Liverpool started really well. Um, I'm not, you know, I think the thing was this game was played after the other semi-final, which we will talk about in a minute, and that was just yes. a chaos. You know, mm-hmm. it, it unleash chaos, and I think obviously when people watch that kind of semi-final, like the neutrals, and then they come to this kind of semi-final, they kind of think that it's boring and nothing's happening. And I do think, you know, when I kind of talk about the first half of this, I, I don't know, Themis. I, I wouldn't say it was because I think a lot of people thought, oh, this is bad. I just thought Villarreal was set up as they are two banks of fours. We spoke about this. Yeah. There isn't much space between the defence and the defence and the midfield, which makes it very hard for our attackers, especially our attackers who like to run off on things. I felt like our play was a little bit narrow, but then I felt like people like Thiago were spraying mm-hmm. passes and expanding the play and making the pitch wider. Um, I, you know, I started noticing little things. I felt like, yeah, they tried their best to frustrate us. And, you know, we had moments, like I think at the seventh minute, we almost had the mm-hmm. deja vu of Robertson corner to Canate, but I think Mane yeah. got on the end of it. You know, the Salah um, uh, didn't cross, um, uh, poor control by Mane, you know, uh, around about 11 minutes. You had a Diaz, a Diaz shot in 13 minutes. You know, we were seeing a lot of the ball. We were controlling a lot of the ball. I also was really, really impressed with the fact that we were doing a lot of pressing in this game. But talk to me about that first half. What did you make of it? Because for me, it just felt like more of a matter of time. As the minutes went on, it just felt like this goal's coming. Like, I wasn't nervous at all. Yeah, because you're spot on there. Because it's the confidence that this team has given to us. 
mm. uh, game after game because they know what they're doing and uh, they know what they're facing. And I mean, we played Atletico Madrid twice this year already, right? Yeah. So it's not that we don't know how to be patient, how to have confidence that our moments will come and not to be frustrated by missed chances and stuff like that. Or to sometimes even the team can, you know, transcend, give that feeling of frustration to the ground or vice versa. No, the crowd knows, and the, the players know that we are at our best right now. We're comfortable, even if we don't score early on stuff like that and as you said with you know with, with the comparison to the the other semi-final the first leg at, uh, at Manchester yeah. well games are a mixture of two things it's not that one team can decide anything about the game there are two of them on the pitch so let's say Liverpool okay we went to Portugal to play Benfica they tried to defend in the same way right they do not know how to do it. <laughs> okay. Mm. And we have six big, uh, six clear-cut chances in the opening uh, 45 minutes in their home ground because they set up to do it, but they do not know how. Villarreal know how to do it. Easy. As easy as it was in Portugal. Whereas you saw City versus Real. Real Madrid do not know how to defend properly. They, <laughs> their defending me mechanism is, you know, a little bit too chaotic uh, for me or for anybody else. Villarreal mm. know how to do it. But what struck me the most is, you know, half-time, nil-nil, yeah. And you know what many people call, you know, a scoreline judgment. Mm. People looked, uh, looked up and said, okay, nil-nil have time and I'll say, yeah, good result for Villarreal, right? Let's yes. go on Twitter and uh, speak about how great they are in the first uh, 45 minutes of, mm -hmm. this, uh, of this semi-final and how uh, well organized they are behind the ball and stuff like that. Well, they weren't. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's nil-nil and I know we didn't score, but at the best at all, because they set out, they set out to uh, block us from, from, from having chances, which mm -hmm. they didn't, they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. And they set out to counterattack, which they didn't. So, are those opening 45 minutes good for them? They're not. They're not. I mean, I looked at that, at that stat and I was, I mean, oh my God, it was halftime and half right? Yes. The player that attempted the most passes for them and the player that completed the most passes for them was wearing gloves. I knew you were going to say that. I just had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. And their goalkeeper made, made and completed passes in the, four, the first 45 minutes and how many passes yeah. did he make, sorry? 27, 16 out of 27. And he wow. was okay. yeah, top of the list, top of the list for him. And he attempted the most passes in the final third for them through his goal kicks. Six. 
They had one out of six attempted passes in the final third, and they were all by their goalkeeper. So, yeah. no, it's not good 45 minutes for them. They suffered. They suffered. They were suffocated. Yep. And they didn't defend well because we had the moments you mentioned. It, was not, it wasn't like Atletico Madrid or even Everton. Even Everton in the derby this, this weekend. Liverpool had only two shots in the opening 45 minutes. There was no football playing at all, right? And they yeah. were annoying and they tried to frustrate the crowd and Pickford managed to make himself a man, actually. Good for, you. Good for him, yeah. Good job. But what they tried, 45 minutes, knowing it was, it worked. The first 45 minutes, it worked. We only had a header inside of the box and we didn't threaten at all, right? That worked. What Villarreal did last night didn't work and it, it was only a matter of time for Liverpool to, to find the winning ways in the game. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think there was only one header inside the box. But, you know, Liverpool, I felt like every time their defenders had the ball, I felt like we pressed them. I felt like we panicked them. We rushed them. Something that didn't happen to them against Bayern Munich. I felt like we were just on their heels. Um, I think, you know, maybe a play that Roberto Firmino would have really, really enjoyed that game yesterday. Just just the thought. And, you know, of course, and, you know, even like Thiago hits, hits the crossbar around about 41 minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot going on. Okay, well, you're not going to let us shoot from there. You know, there you know, I, I saw you know Salah doing like doing bits and you know showing his skill and you know trying trying his chance and his look and, on on the goalie and stuff. But you know, you said something, and I'm so glad you mentioned this because I kind of want to highlight two players from our team. And mm-hmm. you said, and we know this, um, Villarreal two banks of four set up for the counter. Yeah, that's what they do. Now that was absolutely eradicated and snuffed out and I think it was largely down to two men and I I think we have to talk about them because I think both of these guys had an exceptional game for us um, I am, of course, talking about Thiago and Fabinho. They were cutting everything out. Fabinho was literally everywhere, you know, blocking everything. I think he was, um, you know, putting in defensive blocks. He was cutting out their passes and playing the attack pass. Uh, you had Thiago, who was doing the same, lots of tracking back. Actually tackling pretty decently as well. Not, yeah. you know, from, from what, yeah. I mean, massively improved from what we saw last season. And, you know, just moving the ball, you know, distributing it really quickly, you know, playing, playing a precise pass. But for me, yeah, okay, they were missing the Gerard Moreno, but the skill and the class and the experience and the general um, bossing of the midfield of these two guys was the massive difference why Unai Emery's team could not hit us on the counter. Because um, Jean Duna, I mean, uh, you know, Jean Duna was just completely, completely, yeah. um, I, I felt like he was um, a done with supply, he had nothing. Well, at some point, at some point, you know, you, I mean, Thiago is amazing when he has the ball, right? Yeah. But we're talking about the defensive side of the game right now. And at some point, you were thinking, watching the game, that these guys, you know, are moving magnets. That <laughs> it's not that, it's not that they are there to intercept the ball. It seems like the ball goes straight to them. <laughs> I mean, every clearance, every 
pass, they try to make through the middle to break through, you know, to ride their luck in the counter, stuff like that. It, it all ends either Fabinho or uh, Thiago. It's like they have a magnet. It's like the ball always goes to their feet because they know how to do it. Their positional play is exceptional. Yeah. They are very experienced. It's, it's, it's not about, you know, Thiago winning every tackle. tackle. It's not about his stamina or his tenacity. His, it's not about that. We're not talking about Stevie Gerrard tackling everybody at the age of 23, 24. I think it's that positional awareness as well, you know, exactly, where they are. Exactly. Yeah. And the football IQ. I mean, mm. that guy's that guy's IQ is, is next to none. I mean, he's a magnificent technician. He can do anything he wants with the ball. But at the same time, he's so smart. Not only with his passing and his decision making where to pass, to go long, to go short, to go the other way, to make a switch and stuff like that. That's dictating the play uh, amazingly. But he he's instantly aware of the situation before it, it actually evolves. Mm. And that's that's what great midfielders like him, like and like Fabinho, uh, are able to do. That's what Chabi used to do. His prime yeah. as well, because we all talk about, you know, his uh, quarterback abilities, if you like, with his uh, passing grades. Alonso was great at that. He's a great, he was a great hitter of the ball. But as he grew, he, was, he developed an amazing understanding, understanding of the game and uh, the way each play is, is going to evolve. So they're on top of everything. They were on top of everything. I mean, I have a Twitter friend who is a Villarreal fan actually, <laughs> from Greece. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We, you can find a fan of, uh, of every team in the world here in Greece. I don't know why. Amazing. No, it's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I have a friend who is a VRL fan and we talked and, uh, you know, congratulate him last season. And uh, he even got a shirt from the VRL because we, t- we tweeted them, <laughs> everybody, mm. uh, in their official account and say, you know, have, you have a good big fan here in Greece and he was so ecstatic with your win in the Europa League and maybe you should do something about that because you don't, you don't have many fans <laughs> that loyal here in Greece and they sent him and shirt and everything like that. That and is we so kind wonderful. Of, yeah, we kind of talked uh, about the game uh, uh, today and uh, he didn't talk about Mane and he didn't talk about Salah and uh, on all that stuff. He talked about Thiago and Fabinho Mm. Thiago, because he knows him from uh, his playing days in Barcelona and his early days. Yes. And and our two bouncers, as he called them. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, actually said to me, you know, these guys are terrorists. I mean, I haven't seen them play together because, you know, he's not a Liverpool fan, you know, uh, yeah. watching every game. I know Konate, I know Van Dijk, of course, but... I haven't really, really watched them together in a game and to actually pay attention. And, you know, as a VRL, a VRL fan, as soon as he understood that there's no way of bypassing midfield, he was hoping, his team, that maybe a long ball or stuff, stuff like that, you know, could get something for his team. But he said to me, these guys are terrorists. These guys are bouncers. You cannot get anywhere near him, near them. So... Pressing, you do not get through the middle, so you're forced to go long to ride your luck with long balls. And when you do that, 
you have those guys and they say, no, 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 not on, not on our watch. No, 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 mm. not lock bolt. No, no, no way. No way. I mean, it's, it's, it's what dominates these days. It's not about, you know, only scoring goals and stuff like that. It's absolutely controlling every, every aspect of the game. And we're talking about the European semi-final. Yeah. semifinal. And I, I know Villarreal are not, you know, big club like Bayern Munich or stuff like that, but Champions League semi-final and that is completely dominated. Dominating. I'm going to ask you something now just to end on this whole Fab and Thiago um, combination. Yeah. Um, um, it's very early to say because obviously you know there's been a lot of injuries but every time they do play together the stats are pretty phenomenal I think people always mm-hmm. back up them stats right yeah, yeah, but yeah. in terms of a midfield duo I mean obviously we've had some great ones and I think the one one of the most recent ones that people always talk about is the Gerard and Alonso you know mm-hmm. like that that duo so in terms of could this could these two potentially have like that iconic kind of status and, um, you know, and where do you rate it in the world? Because, you know, everyone always talks about the two midfielders that hold that whole team together. Could yeah. this be like the the start of Liverpool having an absolutely amazing midfield now? So talk to me about that. Talk to me about um, where, where do you rank them? You know, I, I think they've got a big legacy. Should they both stay at the club and stay fit? Well, I have to say that... Uh... Yeah, maybe we'll have to wait and see until the end of the season, right? Because no matter if we like it or not, but winning trophies counts. It does? When, yeah, when you talk about legacy, when you talk about stuff like that. But I think they are at the top. The reason I'm saying this is because, you know, and Chabi, Gerard Alonso are, of course, struck in our memory and for a very good reason. Yeah. But it was never a duo, actually. <laughs> it was only a duo for a couple of months. Because every transfer window, buying, he brought Sabi in his first summer, right? And then he bought Lucas Leva, and then he bought Momo Sissoko, and then he bought Javier Marcerano. And he did that because he didn't want Steven Gerrard to play in the double pivot in midfield for Liverpool because he thought that that didn't suit his way of football. And he thought that Gerrard would be at his best playing in other roles because he was an amazing, amazing footballer. Mm. And he should never be compared to any guy named Lambert or Scholes. But don't get me get there don't let me get there right no yeah and actually chubby and stevie weren't a duo for long because rafa didn't want that i mean the season after istanbul steven gerrard plays played as a right midfielder and he scored 25 goals for us he didn't play in the center of the park i mean he did in some games of course but that wasn't the plan and then fernando torres came in and then he moved up up top with uh, Gerard moved up top to force to form that unforgettable duo with uh, with Torres and our midfielders were Alonso and Marcelano and sometimes Luca Leiva Luca, Lucas Leiva 
and stuff like that. So, goodness wasn't really a duo. But they did go, they did, they, even, even in Istanbul, right? We had to bring Didi mm. Haman that time. <laughs> we had to. We had to, because that didn't work. Mm. It never worked for Liverpool, actually. For Liverpool, actually. In some games, maybe, yeah, maybe, stuff like that. But it never really worked. So, Fabinho is amazing. Fabinho is class. Fabinho has won everything for Liverpool. Thiago is a world-class midfielder because he didn't play for uh, Real Madrid and he didn't play for Barcelona. He never got the fame that all the, the midfielders of those teams have. Mm. And, and that's the same because he should be ranked among, uh, next to those guys, next to Xavi, next to Iniesta, next to Modric, mm. next to Kroos and stuff like that. But he never played for them, although he grew up in Spain. So in Bayern Munich, you know, you don't get the recognition and he had to wait long to win the Champions League with them, right? He didn't win it in the Guardiola years because yeah. if they did, they would be, you know, much more acclaimed, right? Yeah. And he's a world-class footballer and I don't think everybody in the world knows that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, forget the world. I mean, I think there were some Liverpool fans that grumbled at him and I feel like I mean, know, they are slowly, on. slowly, like, just getting getting silent now. I but, mean, come on. It's like he's 25. It's, we're treating Thiago. People treated Thiago like he's 25 years old from, the, I don't know, the Portugal or uh, Poland or stuff like that. And he yeah. has to prove something. It's like they never watched him play football. And... What Jürgen said in that press conference when he said, uh, were people saying that he didn't suit our style? Are you kidding me? They did, they did say that. Thank God. They, they don't make the decisions. I mean, we're talking about Thiago. He was the best midfielder in Bundesliga for years. He's, I, some people used to call him the Messi of midfield. I mean, I don't know. It's good to follow the Premier League and everything about that. But, you know, yeah. there's football played outside the Premier League as well. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Well, there you go. It was a Fab and Thiago masterclass. Right, second half. I mean, I thought, again, I was very, very confident, Themis. Um, uh, I love the fact that we kind of, it looked like a goal was coming, that we were edging closer. And I felt like, you know, that the halftime whistle certainly benefited Villarreal than us in, in the sense that, you know, I felt like a goal was coming. You know, 49 minutes in, you know, Fab disallowed a goal off a header. I think BVD mm-hmm. was offside. You know, then around about 52 minutes, I think Diaz had like a, a glancing header, um, a, a glancing header, but no real power. Yeah, and then, he of didn't course, get that right. Yeah. yeah, he didn't get that right. But literally within a few seconds, even a minute, I'd say, you know, Jordan Henderson takes a massive, unfortunate deflection, a lucky deflection. And in, in, in it goes a goal, happy days. And I think, you know, it was it was deserved. It was well worked. I felt like everything was kind of going Liverpool's way. And I'll be honest with you, I think we were all expecting that. I think it was all, it was a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, the, I... the first goal, 50, 52 <laughs> minutes. And, uh, you know, whilst we're here, whilst we're here, we might as well just do this. And then the floodgates pretty much open because literally within two minutes, you know, that that's uh, Salah ball, um, you know, two, 
to Mane and, um, you know, he just puts it past the keeper. I mean, and I think there was some grumbles that maybe Mane was offside, but it was just wonderful stuff. Within two minutes, 2-0 up. Well, but I'm going to let you talk about both about the about both of the goals. Well, one day, one day I would like to see a video compilation on YouTube, or I don't know, uh, on any other platform, of the back-to-back goals that Liverpool have scored with Jurgen Klopp at the helm, because it's an amazing habit mm. that we have. It's amazing how many times we have done that, especially in European outs, nights or in derbies or even versus Manchester City when we beat them. And bam, bam, you have those goals in succession. And it, it's, I know it's you score your goals, right? It's, you have to score two and then you win in 2 nil. So you maybe score one in the first minute and another one in the last minute of the game. It's the same scoreline. But the feeling you get, the feeling that this team gives you when they do that, they used to do that a lot more in the past, but we are still capable of doing that. And there is, um, I think it's evident of our mentality as a, as a group, yeah. the way we approach games. Some people say, some people teams, some teams say, you know, we scored, so let's not, not get carried away. Let's control the game now. What Liverpool are doing with Jurgen is whenever we score, we attack even more. We, it's like boxing when you finally land a punch on the opponent's face mm. and then you say, you know what, he's dizzy now. Let's go for the knockout right now. It, it was 133 seconds, the space between mm. those two goals, right? And I'm still bouncing again. I mean, I don't have to remind you, Barcelona and uh, Gini Vijnaldum scoring back-to-back. Yes. They only had, they had the kickoff, then the missed place pass, and that was it attacking again and scoring again. <clears throat> I absolutely love what we're doing when we do it and when it works because you never know when it works. So in terms of the goal, yeah, I agree with you. You felt that it was coming. You know, I had a feeling that we're going to score from a corner for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, because we're amazing at it, at, at it. And I read that Villarreal haven't considered from a corner this season at all. Ah, okay. So you wanted to, you wanted to like put a spanner into that stat. Exactly, and I was ready to tweet it. I was absolutely ready to tweet it that that goal that Liverpool has just scored is the first goal from a corner that Villarreal are conceding all season. So I was thinking, yeah, maybe with open plates. And Themis, hang on, is this the first leg that they remember? We were talking about ties. Oh no, they've lost games. We need to if if. If Villarreal lose this, is this the first time they've lost in a knockout um, uh, like tie situation in how long? They won the Europa League last season, so obviously, yeah. obviously yeah, they so didn't they lose a tie. Yeah. yeah, but last night it was what? the first game that they lost, not the tie. Oh, sorry, the first game, the first game, sorry, I knew, so I'm fasting people, I'm a bit everywhere, but yeah, first game that they lost, so we've broken a stat there, we've damaged something for them. Yeah, exactly, because it's the first loss, the first time they have to come back to their home ground after losing the first uh, leg of the, the, the tie. They haven't lost a single uh, knockout game when they won the Europa League last season. And of course, this season, they haven't lost a game to either Juventus nor uh, Bayern Munich, Happy right? Yeah, and 
yeah, the second goal is, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, midfield, as yeah. a midfielder, uh, fighting Mo, Villarreal letting, letting uh, Mo face the goal, never a good. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. don't let him do that because, yeah, he can score, he can create, he can find space and he cannot make Pau Torres to assist uh, Sadio, who is on fire. And uh, I'm guessing a lot of Liverpool, Liverpool fans that were calling him finished last season are absolutely uh, marvelling the way he's playing mm. football right now because his confidence is back. He's an amazing human being and he just had a rough patch. That is all. Don't, yes. Don't jump on conclusions. Don't, don't jump and say, you know what, we have to play Zota every game because Sadio is finished. Don't say, oh, Jürgen... Uh, finally, is convinced that money is finished, so that is why he is buying beers. How many fans said that? How many said that? You know what? This is a proof that we're planning a life without Sadio. The fact that we're signing mm-hmm. beers. Maybe half of them announced beers. They read that he's a left uh, winger that starts from the left and stuff like that. Maybe half of the fans said, oh, this is the proof. Yeah, this is where it ends for Sadio. Because mm-hmm. Zota can play on the left, and then you have Diaz playing on the left. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the bell for Sadio Manuel. Yeah. yeah. Meet your new center forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meet the guy that plays up front, not Bobby, not Zota, that leads the line again and again and again. Meet your new center forward. He's Sadio Mane. I mean, what an amazing thing. What an amazing way of thinking on football right now. That you, not, you don't find a team that thinks football the way we do right now. No. No. Another thing, no kind of, yeah, and another thing I think people kind of are maybe paying a bit more attention to is the fact that these two are absolutely... I thought the front three played really well, but, um, you know, the amount of assists that Salah tries to get for Mane as well, and, you know, all those rumours that these two potentially might not get on is just absolute nonsense. But I'll tell you what theme is. A really, really welcomed sight and sound was round about, as soon as we scored the second, the the Anfield crowd just belt yeah. out, ale, ale, ale. And obviously mm-hmm. last season, we missed that because there was no fans. You know, mm-hmm. it felt like a proper European night. But just little things like that just bring so much magic to a moment, to an occasion. And I felt like last season, football was completely soulless. And you, you actually really, really do appreciate fans and what they bring and, mm-hmm. you know, just exactly how much they kind of cheer on the team. And you know what? On the flip side to that, I actually really quite liked Villarreal fans as well. I think they seem like a good set of supporters. Yeah, I don't exactly. know that There's something aesthetically pleasing about the away fans being yellow at Liverpool. I don't know. The yellow and red aesthetically is just very visually appealing to me on the yeah, eye. The, just so weird. Kids, and the old kids, yellow kids. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, you're spot on on that. And... Um, when you talk about the fans and belting uh, ale, ale, ale around the stadium and stuff like that, it's, it's our fourth European semi-final mm-hmm. this stadium with Klopp. And we've won each one of them. The game, I'm not talking about the tie. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's where we feel that we belong. I mean, you do not get guarantees in footballs. You don't know 
no. until the final whistle, until the final game. If you're gonna win something, if you're gonna lift a trophy or not, and stuff like that. But I think every football fan in the world agrees that Liverpool belongs there, right there, in a semi-final at least. Maybe get knocked out, yeah, for sure. Why not? Maybe lose the final, yeah, that can happen too. But it, we're right there. We're bound to be right there because it's Anfield, it's European night, it's the stadium, it's the manager, it's the players, it's the atmosphere, it's the feeling that anything can happen if we're talking about a comeback, right? It's the feeling that uh, there's no team in the world that can feel comfortable playing in a European night in that stadium. They're all that together. When we score consecutive goals and the fans sing, I mean, yeah, then it's the time when you feel this is right. Oh, I'm seeing Jürgen at my screen right now. You know why? Right now, as we speak, let's turn that into a radio, not okay. a podcast. Okay. Yeah, there's a video of Jürgen talking <laughs> right now. It's six, no, it's five seconds long. And I'm thinking, I'm... let's play that again. I'm in love with here and I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was he just said? He said, I'm loving it here and I feel fine. He's singing uh, the song. He's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm in love with here and I feel fine. Where's this video come from? Is it official Liverpool one? Yeah. Oh, I love ago. it. What an announcement. One, one minute ago, two minutes ago, actually. <laughs> incredible stuff, incredible stuff. Right. Uh, I think all that kind of stuff would be amazing. Uh, I can't wait to kind of absolutely binge on Jurgen Klopp content, by the way. I'm just putting that out there, and I'm sure many of you do too. Themis... Uh, I thought our fullbacks played really well. I thought our attackers were really good yesterday, by the way. I thought as the game went on, I thought Salah looked incredible. He was doing absolutely filthy stuff, you know, trying to get the crosses in, trying to get the shots in, trying to get the assist, uh, being an absolute nuisance. I thought Diaz was kind of running on to things. I, I initially thought Marnie started off quite poor. <clears throat> not bad, <clears throat> just not his usual self, but... His strength against some of those defenders against Villarreal was absolutely sensational. The way he was kind of winning the ball back, I felt like all three of them gave a very, very different problem and a nightmare for the Villarreal um, defence. But I thought, you know, the, um, the full-backs were great and we almost saw a full-back assisting another one. I mean, Robbo was upset. Yeah. The Trent, fizz, you know, fizzed in cross. I mean, I thought Trent was absolutely excellent <laughs> yesterday, in my opinion. I mean, I thought they played really well and... Um, I just thought in general Liverpool just looked so comfortable and so in control and uh, talk to me about that and then obviously Jurgen Klopp making the substitutes at 70 minutes and 79, you know, Jota and Keita coming on for Marnie and Henderson and then at 79 minutes, Devok and Gomez coming on for, you know, for, um, for Diaz and Trent and, you know, again, I said Trent had a really good game. I think that was more the fact that... I think it was managing minutes, saving legs, and I mm -hmm. think Newcastle won't be as easy as what people yeah. assume because they're on some kind of um, a confidence bounce. But I've said a lot there, so Themis, I'm going to let you um, uh, run away with that now. You know, you just have to get things off your chest, but I thought the forwards grew and played really well. The full-backs for me did really well, especially Trent. I thought Trent had a really good game, but yeah, you take it away. Yeah, Trent is, you know, growing in every minute. I'm... It's not a talent anymore. He's a world-class player. Yes. But he now has 
you know, adding things. He cannot hit the ball better than he already does, right? <laughs> but it's all, it's all about reading the game. It's all about being patient, not forcing things, stuff like that that come with age. And he's still young, but he's maturing week in, week out in the way he's now uh, part. He's not playing an instrument for Liverpool. He's orchestrating things, right? Yeah. He and Thiago are orchestrating things when he, when they have the ball. And it's amazing to see him being that mature in that so young and orchestrating things and deciding things where to go, pass back, go wide again, go inside, try for the cross. I mean, that, that cross to, to Robo, I mean, I would oh. have loved Robo to score back-to-back goals. I mean, that would be, yes. that would be amazing. That would be amazing for him because it, we know that we have shifted, right? I mean, maybe two years ago, it was evenly distributed right and left, Robo and Trent. But with Trent being almost a midfielder for us right now, we're bound to play much, much more from the right. But that gives Robo the, the ability to read the game really well. And against low blocks like Everton, like Villarreal, again, not only to wait for his moment to, to create something with a cross or stuff like that, but to mm. attack the penalty box area and to try maybe to create a shot. And he scored versus Everton, which was absolutely amazing. And yes. yeah, I would love to see him <clears throat> score again. Message to the world, you know what? While you're paying, the de- you're paying attention to Trent, I'm going to be a striker. <laughs> <And I'm going laughs> yes. to, yeah, I'm going to be a poacher. And I'm going to be at the far post. So look out, because no block gives me the opportunity to be attacker. Not a winger, not for a crosser, not for a cross or stuff like that. Not only for that. No, 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 no. When the ball is on the right, I'm going to be on the far post. I'm going to be right there. Because you know what? Johan Cruyff once famously said that everybody is allowed to get into the box. No one is allowed to stand there. Everybody is allowed to get into the box. And that's what football is all about. And if you read the game carefully, you can do what Robo did versus Everton scoring that precious goal for us. Nobody did again versus Villarreal. Not every, not every play, not every phase of the game. No, 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 because you have to be cautious and you have to be aware. But when the moment comes, you can go right there at the far post to have your opportunity. And maybe you're lucky enough and you score. No, it was absolutely wonderful stuff. Um, yes, and I, I, Jurgen Klopp obviously made a little bit more of a delayed sub, but obviously he did make the subs. But overall, theme is I think we've kind of pretty much discussed this game at length. I think Liverpool just carry on doing what they're doing in the in the return leg. Uh, you know, just go out there, get an early goal. I think three goals would have absolutely put the tie to bed. But hey, you know what? We've got another game and another pod mm-hmm. to discuss this. I am very, very happy with this result. Themis, I want to kind of move on quickly to the other game now. And uh, 4-3 it finished. And of course, you know, Man City, um, Real Madrid. Uh, let's briefly talk about this. I'll give my quick brief thoughts mm-hmm. and then I'm going to let you talk about it. So, okay, Man City started off really well. You know, get the goals in and it, I I initially thought Real Madrid were going to start how they played against PSG at Paris, become quite defensive, you know, be a bit, you know, like, I don't know, um, 
uninspiring in terms of maybe creating something because I thought they were awful that game and even defending Wayne McGrath, they just got sucked, sucked in deeper. But obviously they won the tie, that's all that matters. But I thought Real Madrid would take that approach. But, um, you know, Real, um, Man City come out threatening, you know, guns blazing and, um, you know, get the gold. And, you know, it was a lot going on. It was just chaos. It was end-to-end, it was chaos. I felt like every chance that Man City had looked well-worked, well-drilled. I thought mm-hmm. Real Madrid's kind of, to some degree, looked like half-chances. And it was like making something out of nothing. I felt like City were kind of inviting some pressure from a defensive point of view. I thought Edison had a bit of, you know, doing a few suspicious things. But, mm-hmm. of course, it finished 4-3. But the thing that kind of got me, Themis, was the fact that these goals were just getting better and better and better. And, you know, when you look at the score, uh, it could have been so much more to um, Man City. You know, they hit the crossbar a few times with the likes of Mares. You know, um, uh, Mares, you know, taking the shot rather than playing in forward. And we had all this situation. But the ball, for me, the goals just got better and better. I mean, Thiago... Um, Bernardo Silva's goal, sorry, Bernard, I'm thinking about Thiago. Uh, Bernardo Silva's yeah, goal. Who can blame you? Who yeah, can blame you? Don't worry yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, Bernardo Silva's goal, I mean, was just absolutely sensational. I mean, there were just so many crazy things happening. You know, Fernandinho was absolutely sensational for the Foden goal. And then he was equally at fault for what Vinicius yeah. Junior did. I was just like, what on earth is going on? Literally within minutes. And then the Penenka penalty by Benzema for me, it was just like, it was getting ridiculous. But this game was the entertaining one. I've kind of given my brief, um, you know, I don't know, uh, brain fart, verbal diarrhea moment on it. Themis, I'm no. going to let you break it down and be a bit more, you know, classy with it. Well, the, I, I saw a tweet from uh, Miguel Delaney. I don't know if he's yes. pronouncing his name right. Yeah, no, he, no. He had a great of the game in two lines after the final whistle. He said that, well, we basically saw a game which uh, had these two vintage storylines of Champions League football from the past decade. One storyline is Pep Guardiola, his team being absolutely amazing, but not getting exactly what they deserve from the game. That's Mm -hmm. a classic storyline. Yeah. the Champions League for the past 10 years or so. The other storyline is how on earth Real Madrid is still alive. <laughs> how on earth yeah. are they still breathing? That's the classic storyline. And that, that was the game in two sentences. Because, you know, have you watched Breaking Bad? Have you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that famous Jesse Pinkman meme from the last season? Crying about Walter White. He cannot keep getting away with this. Yes, yes, yeah, this yes. Is, yeah, this is Real Madrid. They cannot keep getting away with this. And somehow they do. They do. Year after year. Are you calling him Heisenberg? Land. Are you calling him Heisenberg? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, they're the Heisenbergs of football. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Because, you know, it's, it's game after game, round after round, year after year. They're having troubles in the games. They have, they're not at their best long now. They have aging players. They def- they set out to defend, but they cannot properly do that. You have Militao all over the place. Mm. You have uh, Alaba. You know he's he was ha- having a nightmare. Oh, he was. Yes. Yeah. The way Jesus you know turned him. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, you know, Manchester City had an absolutely flawless, flawless game. Flawless. 
I mean, yeah. yeah, there were individual mistakes for sure. But what are you talking about the team? What they set out to do? The semifinals. They were flawless. They controlled every aspect of the game. They attacked in every way they wanted. They controlled space. They controlled the rhythm. They did everything they wanted. How on earth did God trust them? Yes. I mean, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, it's part of Pep Guardiola's legacy of not getting exactly his teams. He team, his the team deserves uh, on the scoreline. And on the other hand, you have. Real Madrid, the zombies of football, they, they do not die. I mean, uh, it's amazing. I mean, City played with a back four, right? And we have Rodri, Rodri playing as a defensive midfielder, okay? Then you have five players uh, of Rodri. Uh, yeah, five players, right? Mm, yeah. Each and every one of them scored or assisted. Kevin De Bruyne were just running the show, though, wasn't he? This yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Mahrez assisted the opening uh, goal of the day, of the night, mm-hmm. right? Kevin De Bruyne, first goal, assist for the second goal. Jesus yeah. scoring the second goal. Yeah. There you go. Then you have Foden. Yes. The third. And then you have Bernardo Silva scoring the fourth. I yes. mean, okay, you have Fernandinho losing Vinicius. You're absolutely spot on on that. You have Ederson. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was Dean Henderson from the Manchester United, you know, mm. waiting in the six-yard line. <laughs> yeah. And waiting and waiting and saying, what are you doing, man? Get out of your line. I think, I think you know, the uh, Bernardo Silva one, I think that one, like, I, I, when I look back at that goal, I mean, it was a great goal from what, you know, Bernardo Silva did in terms of like, yep, you know what, the refs allowed advantage, I'm going to carry on. But you could just tell by Courtois' reaction. I don't know if he thought the whistle went or something, but when you just watch him, he was dreadful in his in his in in his um yeah, you know his I neck. Totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. But I mean, name name a Manchester City player apart from Fernandinho having to play at right back. Most skillful players right now on the left wing in the world football, Vinicius and Anderson. Name a single player that had a bad game. They were all absolutely amazing, and they did yeah. every anything they set out to do. And somehow, it's you know what? It's one nil because the away goal is scrapped. The rule is scrapped, so it's one nil. That's that. One nil. Let's go to Bernabeu right now. And who knows? Who knows? I'm not saying that you know. I don't consider City to be the clear favorites. I I used to before the first game, and I still think they are the clear favorites. And by far, by far, the better team of the tie. But yeah. That seems to be facing Real Madrid. How good you are. It doesn't matter how better you are than them. You still can get knocked, get, get knocked out. And I, I have to be honest with you, in the first half, I was thinking, yeah, it, it should have been Chelsea. You know what? It should have been Chelsea. Because Chelsea might lose the tie, but they were never going to be all over the place. Like Real Madrid yeah. uh, did. And I would love to see a rematch because they won the final last season, right? Mm-hmm. And they said to, to City, you know what? Not yet, not yet. You're, you're fighting for your first Champions League title, but not yet, not in your first final. You have to wait a little longer. And you know what? An all-league semi-final with those teams after last year's final would be an amazing uh, spectacle. 
And I thought to myself, you know what? It should have been Chelsea, not Real Madrid. They do not belong here. But somehow, they are now, you know, scared a little bit. Yeah, well, I just they have a know-how in this competition, don't they? They yeah. just—I don't know what it is. They just click. They were, you know, this is not the best Real Madrid team. We know this, and you know, just the confidence in terms of even like Benzema, like that was a high-pressure penalty. It was uh, high-pressure, I mean, yeah, and then I he mean, does that. I mean, you just think what I, you know, there's a time and place to do a Panenka, and fair play to you. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. I mean, uh, I. I don't know. I have. I have. I don't remember. I have. I have said that uh, in an earlier pod, and I was there to witness Panenka penalty after Panenka, of course, <laughs> because he was the original one. I was there in the World Cup final in 2006, and I saw what uh, Zidane did to Buffon. Yes. I mean, yeah. this is the absolute Panenka because a it's in the World Cup final, yep. right? And, and B, it's literally the best versus the best. Yes, and B, managed to score without fighting the back of the net. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know, it's trigonometry, I don't know, I don't know. He hit the bar and then it went in, it went in, inside the line, and, yeah. it, and then it went out. And that, Benzema, I wasn't there to witness it in the flesh, but it's as close as, as it can get. Dan did uh, 16 years ago. Mm. I mean, Benzema right now is, you know, hotter than hell. Hotter than hell. I mean, he's by far the most prolific finisher right now in world mm. football. I mean, I was looking at his stats. He's uh, having a, an expected goals tally in Champions League of six goals and six expected goals, and he has scored 12. I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, talking about overperformance uh, at the highest uh, level. It's not actually six expected goals, it's uh, 5.7. And he has scored 12. And I know City will be the better team in Madrid. But I cannot guarantee anything about the outcome of the game and who's going to get the ticket to the final. To the final. No. Because, I don't know, Anything can happen without Real Madrid. They should be out already. They should have been out by Chelsea. They should have been uh, looking for a miracle in the return leg, in the way they play yes. in Manchester. They should have been looking uh, for a miracle. You should have been asking me, uh, you know, my thoughts about, you know, facing City in the final because it looks like they have already... But again, uh, they, what, they did to, what they did to Paris Saint-Germain, like, what mm-hmm. on earth, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think we can agree that they just are, I don't know, they, they have this weird, weird connection with the Champions League. It yeah. doesn't have to be but, the but, only best. But with PSG, with PSG, it becomes a PSG thing. It, you talk yeah. about them. You talk about them collapsing again and again and again. Chelsea are a good team. They're champions of Europe. They have a good manager. Yes. They're not PSG. Master City, they are the absolute elite right now. They would yeah. be by far the best team in the world if it wasn't for Liverpool and uh, and Jürgen. And they, they are right there. They have the most amazing manager, the most amazing group of people. So it's not about PSG or, or anymore. It's about Real Madrid. It's about it's about them instead of looking for a miracle, being in the tie and, you know, having a little bit of psychological advantage, if you want. Because mm. 
they, they were happy to lose 4-3. And Guardiola said, and I picked that quote from his uh, press conference after the game, he said, I had to go in the locker room and convince my, my players to smile and be happy about the result because we won. It doesn't feel like they did. You know, can I just say something as well? I'm just going to say something because uh, obviously we're in a title running with them. They're our rivals. We, we want, I think, I know it sounds maybe this is Man City and they are an exceptional, exceptional force in terms of what they do on the pitch. But I think that game must have physically and mentally exhausted them. And I look for positives in every positive possible way when it comes to the league and in terms mm-hmm. of everything that must have taken a lot out of them because they, so. yeah, because yeah. they worked Let's hard. So. You know, they worked hard. They, you know, they were on it. You know, and also like mentally just losing three goals as well. So you can only hope. Um, uh, they mm-hmm. play Leeds this weekend. We'll we'll have to see. But yeah. just you know, as I I just want them tired as much as possible, and I think that's mm-hmm. all I can hope for right now. But, but the mental aspect. I mean, imagine beating Real Madrid first leg of the semi final and not being happy about that. Imagine that. He said so. I mean, I'm not uh, saying stuff out of my head. He said so. I, I walked into the dressing room and I tried to convince them to smile and be happy because we won. It's not I, bet somebody had to, I bet somebody had to do that with him as well. We know he's like that. You know, we, <laughs> we know. I'm not, I've, I've never had a chat with him, but I have a feeling that he is like that as well. Like he would not be happy with that 4-3. And I get that because it should have been so much more for them. They were, Like you said, they dominated. Theme is any takeaways from these final games? Or oh, I think, you know, we've, we've done quite well with this pod. So I thought yeah. we'd close it off now. So um, anything you want to um, share from the games and then we can just call it a day? Well, nothing, nothing apart from the fact that uh, I look forward to talk to you next week. Next week, yes. Yes, and uh, hopefully we'll see the Reds uh, wrapping it up Tuesday night. Uh, no comebacks, no stuff like that. You never know in knockout stage. You never, ever, ever know. Yes. So don't don't get anybody uh, to talk to you and tell you, you know what, uh, Liverpool are on are in France already. And book their place uh, no, in no. Paris and mm-hmm. book your flights and hotel and airports and stuff like that. No, 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 no. It's knockout stage. Anything can happen. And uh, just, just, just experience these amazing, amazing weeks with this amazing club, and uh, let's see where they take us uh, come June, come 28th of May, actually. Yeah. Absolutely, watch this space. I mean, it's it's regardless of what anyone says, this is you know just so much football, so much to look forward to, and yeah. you know, let's hope the Reds get all the silverware that is potentially on offer for them. Uh, Themis. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. You know I love talking to you. I always yeah, enjoy our chit chat. But before I let you go, where can people find you on social media? Take on it away. Twitter, celebrating Jürgen's extent, <laughs> extension of contract. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my handle is my last name. It's Kesaris, uh, K-E-S-S-A-R-I-S underscore. I mainly tweet in Greek, but I would be happily uh, reply to you if you ever tweeted me in uh, English and talk about uh, football, Liverpool, or uh, tips about the Greek islands and the vacations here, whatever you like. I'm always there. 
wonderful stuff please do follow Themis he's wonderful and you know what this is a sign of maybe getting old now because I've just sat there in a world of my own and I was like oh gosh it's you know what this is an early birthday present for me Jurgen Klopp signing this contract so I'm gonna marvel at it and also another fun fact about me and birthdays is Liverpool always lose like um important games um in 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 europe so this is like one of the first where we've actually been quite successful so i'm quite happy with that when's your birthday today it's tomorrow 29th um i remember we lost to atletico madrid in the europa in the europa league you know under rafa benitez you know like we i know i think we we lost to villa we yeah I think we drew to Villarreal a few years ago in the Europa League. You know, basically, I don't get the best results on my birthday. I remember once we got absolutely hammered by Hull City on my birthday. So, you know, I've had some bad ones. But all I'm saying is Jurgen Klopp signing, I'll take that all day. But guys, yeah, of course, yeah, of course it's the best. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I loved it. I love the news that we've had as well. Let us know your thoughts and we will be back next week. So take care. Till next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.